All right, recording this 6.44, the 6th of July, two days after the 4th of July. It's raining in New York City, which is, I don't even know how to go outside anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, me and Nolan are back on the pod. Uh, yeah, I wanted to open up the conversation and speak and uh, talk a little Knicks. Uh, recently in Knicks Twitter, uh, RJ Barrett has been a recent topic with the FIBA play and everything. Um, it seems like a lot of people want to trade RJ if the opportunity comes, and a lot of people don't. A lot of people see him as a blue blue chip prospect, an untouchable. I I could see it with his development going from seventeen, from fourteen to seventeen, shooting sixty one percent from the free throw line to seventy four percent from the free throw line, and then you know improving the three point shot from thirty two to forty. Seeing his development. I was in the camp of saying, you know, if Dane comes around, if Rio comes around, like, you're going to have to put in RJ, and it is what it is. But, you know, seeing him progress, looking looking more deeply, and seeing the Canada play, I, I don't know, Nolan. How, how do you feel about this? Um, I'm pretty firm on the not trade RJ camp, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just like, who's the probably the best player you could get in a trade? for RJ right now, like Dame? Yeah, probably, yeah. right? Because I don't see Beal or, you know, the Zach Levine stuff shaking loose, right? Right. And, like, I don't think just Dame and Randall is, like, enough to get you anywhere. And your cap would be so tight there. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now. But – you could basically only offer a max player to a player that's been in the league, I think, like five years. Once you get like that six to seven year max, we wouldn't even be able to afford a player like that to come here. So, like, initially, I even thought a little bit like, okay, you get um, Dame Lillard and Randall, and you've kind of just kind of, you kind of figure the rest out, even if you have to get rid of RJ, right? But if you don't have enough cap for another like veteran max player to come with those two dudes and you have to contend with Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philly, even Atlanta now, just moving forward, I just, I just don't know what that team's ceiling is. And giving up on the highest draft pick we've had since Patrick Ewing two years into his career for, I don't know. I mean, we made the four seed this year. You know what I mean? It's not like we were a bad team. So I don't think unless like an absolute mega deal where some superstar like Luca or something became available, I don't I just not one player in the league I'd really trade for RJ right now. I know you were watching the Canada games and uh I only got to really watch the highlights, but I know you were watching them live. Uh what what you see from RJ out there? RJ looked good. You know, um you got to see I like the way Nick Nurse used RJ a little differently than Tibbs did. He ran a little bit more of the offense through him because their offense was, for a large part, basically just him and Wiggins. You saw um, some of the regular season trends, like the first game I watched, he had a really slow first half. Second half, he came on, and, you know, it's something we're familiar with. So I think he still needs to get a little more comfortable with his, you know, his confidence and just, like, forcing the issue and being more of, like, a primary, like, running the offense through this guy. But you saw his handle improve a little bit. You saw a few, like, step-back threes that were nice to see. You saw him 
taking it to the rim, it's kind of hard to evaluate some of like the paint touches and stuff because you don't really know the quality of competition, like how good these guys actually are in the qualifying rounds and things like that. But I mean, he averaged, I think, like 20 something points a game and he was second in scoring, I think, behind Wiggins by like a few, only like a handful of points. So, I mean, it's good to see that he's continuing to bloom and progress at least. And kind of like uh, we were talking about on the previous podcast, just that experience of like getting RJ in different roles and different scenarios and kind of slowly grooming him to hopefully one day become the number one option to Randall instead of Randall being the number one option and RJ being the number two. I think the ideal thing would be that, you know, RJ slowly progresses over the next two years and becomes the focal point of the offense. I think it would be interesting to see uh, Team Canada lose uh, against, uh, I believe it was Czech Republic, right? Yeah, that was the game that yeah, took them out. And it was like most of those guys are like most of the guys on Team Canada are NBA players, rotational players. And yeah, but it's also like Anthony Bennett. You know what I mean? Like they're, bro, they're, bro, come on, man. Come on. Even Anthony, even if you're rolling out Anthony Bennett and four NBA dudes against Euro I'm guys. I'm saying they like, shouldn't have won, but they're a young team. I mean, you know, it's it's Wiggins and RJ and was it Dwight Powell? The, Right. Trey Lyles, they were roasting Trey, Trey Lyles. Lyles. I saw on Twitter. got really hot for like a game there, and he was really fun to watch. But you just knew in that last game, he wasn't gonna. He just didn't show up that last game, and that was kind of what he missed a shot to tie the game. I think going into put it into overtime. Uh, today, uh, you know, speaking on FIBA, today, uh, Luca got his team over the over over the hump and uh, passed the qualifier, which is interesting because you know Canada couldn't do it. And yeah. we were and the and the whole Knicks nation was behind Canada because of RJ. You know, we were really behind oh, sure. RJ. Yeah, I think uh, more people were watching that in like the Bucks Hawks series, to be honest. <laughs> At least based on my Twitter feed, but that's pretty biased. So yeah. No, no, no I think both of our Twitters are, are extremely biased towards the Knicks. Like definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um I want to talk about some more young guys coming into the league. Um, some draft risers that um that have been rising up on draft boards. I've been eyeing, I've been hawking uh, draft content like a madman, uh, mm-hmm. especially because, you know, I had now I have my own podcast and uh, it's interesting to see where, you know, how teams evaluate each prospect. Um, you know, Scotty Barnes, just, it was just a, a pre, like a very, very uh, popular name nowadays uh, from Florida State, 6'9", big, big forward, uh, 10, he averaged 10, 4, and 4. Um, the biggest thing on him for me is is his offense. He's literally going to give you zero when he gets into the league. Um, he's shooting 62% from the free throw line and 27% from the three-point from the three point line. So it's like, I don't know how much shooting you're going to get out of him, but, you know, the reason why he's um, climbing up draft boards is because he is 6'9", and his vision is, is, is really good. He has a good handle. He's able to see the floor very, very well at his height. He's, his intensity, he's like one, he's a winning player. He's a winning player. Uh, I could compare him to uh, even last year's draft pick, um, Okoro, but Scotty Barnes is, 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 is ahead of him uh, as far as contributing to winning right now in the NBA floor. Uh, what's your thoughts on Scotty Barnes right now, uh, Noah? Um, to be honest with you, Scotty Barnes, I think, I mean, you could probably 
noticed this a little bit since you're a Duke fan, you watch ACC basketball too, but traditionally like the Florida state teams that I've seen at least the past handful of years. And I hate to do this because you don't want to generalize like one guy by the type of players that a school produces. Cause there's obviously players that are better than other players. Not like one school gets just one type of player, but from what I've seen from Florida state from the past few years, it's mostly they have a lot of big, tall, athletic dudes, but none of them that can shoot. And yeah, he is a good passer. He could be like a playmaking threat of like dribble handoffs and short rolls. He could, he's good vision. But I mean, if you're scoring 10 points a game and you're six foot nine in college, and I'm not saying you can't, you know, get stronger and put on more muscle and work on your shot, but I think he's jumped up. I've seen him going really high. I've seen him going ahead of like Kaminga and South, some people saying. And I think Ryan Rosillo said that on his podcast. And that's just crazy to me when you see like the athleticism that players like Suggs and Kaminga have. And I think he's going to be a good defensive player and he's athletic enough to do all the right things. But I think he's just little bit too much of a project on the offensive side to take them that high no i 100 agree and um see the way he's gonna go he's gonna he's gonna be a top five pick and i would like to see him to go to okc you know they're still rebuilding they have a million picks they could take a chance on scotty barnes and let him develop and let him just go through the system let him go through the process but i don't know if you're if you're starting from scratch like like a lot like for example, like Cleveland or, you know, Houston, they're looking at him. Like a lot of teams, I, I don't know if you take him. I, I don't know. But we'll see how he, you know, where he lands. Um, no, another- it's not even that he's not even like, it's not even that I don't think he can be a good player. It's just there's yeah. so many players that at that spot that I think I would rather, like I'd rather have, I mean, you know, I love Moody, but I'd rather have Moses Moody. And Scotty Barnes. I'd rather have Keon Johnson than Scotty Barnes. Like mm-hmm. I'd even have Davion Mitchell probably. And I'm, I think he's super overrated. But I'm starting to <laughs> I'm starting to finally give in to some Davion Mitchell. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I think his I think his ability to create his own shot is going to translate really well to the league. I don't know if he's quite good enough of a like passer and. If he can, he's going to need to add a little, you know, muscle and stuff. But, I mean, everybody said the same things about his brother coming out of Louisville, too. So, I mean, I'm not saying he is his brother, but I see the upside there being, like, I, th- I see him being closer to a two-way player than I see Scotty Barnes being a two-way player. Yo, Darion Mitchell reminds me of Chris Dunn, man. not even going to lie. Like, he, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, those Baylor, I, I say it all the time. Those Baylor guards scared. Like I don't know if I want to take them. If I'm the Knicks, purely from like a fan base perspective, I I don't know. I don't know how much they could contribute, just because you know they've been in college for a few years. Those guys were in college for a few years, and I I don't know. It's too many question marks for me. And he's small too, man. He is small. Yeah. What is he? He's like I think he's I have it written here somewhere. I don't know. I think he's like 6'2". He's like 6'2". And yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
I don't know, bro. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, and he develops into a good rotation. A good, maybe, maybe. But I think it's one of those things where a lot of people are biased because of his tournament run and his and his last year at Baylor. I, I think I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But That's uh, definitely where I was coming out as I was like, everybody's riding him way too high from the tournament wave. But I don't know. Just seeing him figure some things out. It, it's hard to say because, like, last year's college basketball in general seasons, like, the regular seasons are only 20 games. And with COVID and everything going on last year, it's even a smaller sample size. So I can definitely see why people would be concerned. And I prob- I'd probably have him not in the top 10, but the top 15. But, I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, there's upside and there's downside. But, I mean, once you get down to, like, that part of the draft, it's just a shirt. You're just throwing darts at a certain level. No, no, I agree. I don't think he's a top 10 pick, but I definitely think he's a lower lottery, uh, you know, middle of the, middle of the first round pick. Uh, there's definitely a few guys that I would definitely take over him. Um, another, one guy, one guy I would definitely take over him, uh, James Booknight. Um, I was just about to bring him up. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, his second year in college, he averaged 18. But, you know, his averages, even though he averaged more points his second year, his three-point shooting went down. He went from 34% to 29. And then his free throw percentage went, went from 82 to 77. So as he took more shots, his, efficient, his efficiency went down. But, you know, he's young. He's still learning how to be a, a capable offensive player. I like his skill set. He reminds me of... Not maybe not his athletic ability, but the way he's able to get his own shot off the pick and roll. He reminds me a lot of like Zach Levine, a lot of Donovan Mitchell, the way he's able to go through screens, use his handle to get where he needs to go. He's able, I don't think he's an athlete like those guys, maybe just a tier below them. That's how I see him. I view him defensively. I don't know, I don't know how. It depends what system. It depends who, who he goes to defensively or what you're gonna get out of him. But right now he's a zero on defense. But I like his offensive potential going forward. Uh, and I see, I can I can see why he's the top ten pick. What you think, Noah? I was actually just talking to my friend about this earlier today. Is that Book Knight is one of the prospects I'm probably most mixed on as a player right now. You still hear me? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, sorry, no, something popped up. Um, want to make sure. But um, like I was saying, let me start over. Um, I was talking to my friend, and basically, I was saying he's one of the prospects I'm most divided on, just because I see, like you said, his ability to create his own shot, his scoring potential. Like you said, he's kind of a zero on defense right now. But the thing that kind of scares me off of him is is finishing at the rim. Yeah. And I just don't know if he's physically going to ever get to that level. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's guards, guard from UConn that was pretty short named Kemba Walker and small. He's taller than Kemba. But, I mean, I just don't know if he's strong enough. And you can gain strength, but it just – him when he attacks the rim, it doesn't – it reminds me a little of, like, J.R. Smith when it's like not he's not as athletic as J.R. Smith but whenever yeah whenever he would go up he would just kind of like throw the basket at the rim like not like 
he didn't look comfortable attacking basketball uh, or attacking the basket sometimes. So I think that would be my biggest concern. The defense, I mean, you see that if you have a guard that can truly, truly score, whether it's like Trey Young, Steph Curry, like Emmanuel quickly, like you can hide players defensively that if their offense is good enough, they can still be great players in the league. But it's when you're, you have, your margin for error there is so much smaller because of that defensive liability and because you can't attack the basket that if you're not like an elite, elite shooter, that you could end up not being, you know, uh, I mean, I think he'll be a good player, but I don't think it's like a lock that he's the point guard of the future for the Knicks or anything like that or day one starter even for that matter. Yeah, the thing about Book Knight with me is, like you said, his finishing is is not where it's supposed to be at. But you know, during the you know during the draft combine, he did show, uh, you know, where they was running scrimmages and they had a pro day workouts, and he showed the ability to finish. Um, at, at that, at that, but during the whole season, he didn't. Um, you know, he got coached. You know, UConn, they, you know, where Hurley and that squad over there coaching them, I do believe he was coached correctly, and he'll come into the NBA with the correct mindset. And I, I I think he has a good head on his shoulders, and, you know, he'll continue to, you know, develop those skills. Uh, Speaking of um, players that would be a good fit for OKC, I think they could take him at 16. I think I don't think he falls that low, bro. I don't think he falls that low. 16? They talking about him being a top eight pick. 16 is crazy. Nah. I don't know. I'm looking at Tankathon right now. They have him going 16. Nah, man. Nah, because like the the articles and podcasts is like I have uh I have uh, listened to and read, bro. It's the hype on him is crazy. It might be I don't, he may be one of those guys that have those hype that had that hype. And it fought, maybe it's like delusion, and they're trying to say, yeah. Maybe. maybe I don't, I don't know how much of this is like Twitter hype, you know, or or what. Like just, even like with uh, everybody loves Bones Highland right now, and I love Bones Highland. He's a fun player to watch, but he's not really bolting up draft boards. And there's like, you know, there has to be reasons for that. You know, he's not great at finishing or attacking the basket either. I'm not comparing these two players and like level of like where do you draft them because uh he's probably a second round draft pick where book Knight, you know is at least top 15 like we're saying but i don't know i like book Knight, but i wouldn't want to trade up to get him no i agree do you see him as a lottery pick you personally i guess i see him outside the top 10 personally but uh yeah top 15 16 whatever that's still technically the lottery i think so yeah, yeah. Interesting, because I do see him as a top eight pick. I can see a team falling in love with him and definitely taking him there. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but if I would – I mean, it all depends on fit and team, and there's so many factors that go into it. When I was looking at the lottery, I was saying maybe, you know, maybe if Pop gets his hands on him, because he's been drafting a lot of wing, maybe he could get somebody who can actually handle the ball and actually, you know, you could de- develop and mold him into something with, with the handle, maybe. See, that's what terrifies me is that I think that Moody might fall to 12. And if Pop gets a chance to draft Moody, there's no way he's trading out of that pick. And that's, a play. I, that's like the one player I think we could trade up for and I'd be okay with. 
it's interesting you say uh, you, you would like to trade off for Moses Moody because where we're at, the next guy, I would love for the Knicks to take him. I fell in love with him during the tournament. Um, did a little background check. Wasn't too familiar with him. Uh, Quentin Grimes out of Houston, uh, averaged 17, 2, and 5. Shot 78% from the free throw line, 40% from three-point land. Um, he was in the same high school recruiting class as RJ, Zion, Cam, all those guys. Uh, he was actually, I believe, a top five, top six recruit in that class. Uh, had a hard time, I believe, in Kansas, and then he transferred to Houston. Did two years in Houston, uh, so not the typical route of his, you know, of his high school elk. But came into Houston this year, was lighting it up. I like the way he scores the ball. Uh, one thing about him is in college he was a two-way player. He was a legit two-way player. Uh, he he you know he led the team scoring. He guarded the best player in, in those games. Houston was very competitive, very good the whole season in college. He looks like he's a winning player. I, I really did fall in love with him during the, the tournament. And I see him rising up on draft boards, and I really thought he was going to be a back-end first-round guy. And I thought, like, whoever got him was just going to get, like, a really good draft pick. Like, Desmond Bain last year, like, one of those guys that just fall through. But – a lot of guys been been seeing him with the draft combine scrimmages and everything. They they see what I see. So I I don't know. Are you familiar with Quentin Grimes? Though? I'm familiar with him a little bit, but and honestly, most of what I've seen, I've seen him going in the second round, uh, yeah. around like I think uh, 44. He is on the big board I use. So I mean, he's talented and he's balled out in the scrimmages. What you said. Uh, shout out to. Justin Champagne for for ball <laughs> to big guy is um, but I think Quentin Grimes is definitely worth a look depending on where he falls but again I think he might be one of those guys that is having really good practices and combines and scrimmages but like Kevin Knox had a great scrimmage against the Bridges and we ended up taking him based on that one practice over everything else. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, he's a good player. He didn't play in, you know, the toughest conference either, though. So, like, strength of schedule is somewhat of a factor. He's not old, but, I mean, he is going to be – I mean, he's 21. He's going to be 22 next year. So, I mean, not ancient or anything, but, you know, for a pick you're taking, that's why he's probably – I think a little lower in some of these mock drafts is just his draft age. But I mean, his defense is great. He can shoot the, I think he can shoot from an NBA three. And his rebounding is something that I think is underrated about him. But at the same time, his field goal percentage on just like, you know, two point shots isn't that great. His assist percentage isn't that great. And I think if he finds – I think he's a player that really, if you said the Spurs or, like, a team that he could really fit into and just not be asked to do too much right away. And if he gets a chance to develop, I can see him, you know, finding a good role in the league, at least as, like, a rotational guard or uh, even, you know, like a six-man type player. But I'm not convinced – on him as a first rounder quite yet. 
You know, the reason why I'm convinced as like a first round pick is because of his defense. Like, I really think. No, yeah, his defense is great. Yeah, his defense is great. And then if, if he could show when he showed it in his last year in college, being able to shoot through ball, like, I'm just thinking, like, you know, for like the 32 pick or maybe um the, the, the 20th pick that we have, like, you no, know, a guy who could play against, who could play besides RJ and who wouldn't need. Who wouldn't need all that development? Who could come in? Who knows who he is? Confident guy, understands like I'm gonna come into the situation, play a role. I, I I don't I don't see him as a second round guy. I really don't. I, I really don't. There's a few guys who I could see being steals in the second round, like Mac. Uh, you know some of those pick guys, the point guard from Pitt, uh, Champ Champagne, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a forward, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, I, those guys. Those guys could be impactful second round guys. Not gonna lie, but Quinn, I, I see too much. I see too much skill from him. I see too much skill. He reminds me of a. Uh, uh, I know you hate Atlanta, but uh, he reminds me of Herder. Like the way he's able to, like offensively, it, maybe he could be a secondary ball handler. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too highly of him, but I, I like Quentin Grimes a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like Quentin Grimes, like you said. Um, you compared him to you say you said herder. Yeah, a little bit. He has a little bit of herder in there. I can see that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I mean, there's he's just I don't know what it is about him that makes me not like him. To be honest with you, it's just <laughs> something about him. You know that feeling that you have right now is exactly how I feel about those Baylor guys. Exactly I how that. I feel. I'm just like. Uh, you can't like quantify it in a way, but it's yeah, just like a gut feeling. Yeah, it's just like I just don't want it to risk on my like you know, like I just don't want that on my maybe it could benefit somebody else, but I, I'd rather go another route. I, I don't know how exactly how you feel, man. definitely. Yeah, um, and, I, and I'll be honest, I'm I'm not to keep bringing this guy up, but I'm shocked that Justin Champagne isn't getting as much recognition as I think he should. I mean. He's been killing it in the scrimmages. He was second in the year for uh, ACC Player of the Year as a sophomore. Averaged 18 points, 11 rebounds. He shot 47% from the field goal. Uh, I don't have his three-point percentage, but he's a pretty good three-point shooter, and he's just so athletic. Uh, I know his brother plays for St. John's, actually, and he just pulled out of the draft and is going back to another year at St. John's. And everybody's saying that in that year, he can really – bolst himself up into a first round pick and I feel the same thing about his brother I feel that if he would have came back to pit and stayed another year and like polished his game a little more that he could go I mean obviously it's hard to say no to you know the most money he's probably ever seen in his life and go into the league and but I just still think he's one of those players that even if he doesn't get drafted is worth taking a look even if he's just like a, a two-way player or something like that. And I, I'm excited to see where he ends up. In your opinion, do you think he'll get drafted? I don't think he will, no. I, I, I think he should. I, I, I see a lot of players, especially towards like the bottom end of the second round, that I think aren't as good as him. But just from everything I've been seeing. But then again, then again the only reason I think he might is because – he got feedback, you know, you go before you get drafted, you go get your feedback and see where people are drafting you. And if he was getting told he wasn't going to get drafted, then he probably would have came back. To it. So 
I'm hoping a team takes a second round flyer on him, but I won't be shocked if he doesn't get drafted either. Interesting. Interesting to see where that goes. Um, another guy from the ACC. I want to talk about some draft ballers and uh, a guy from the ACC from my squad. Uh, Jalen Johnson, man. Jalen Johnson, an interesting prospect going into this draft. I'm I'm tough on my Duke guys. I, I really am. I expect nothing but perfection. It, it, it sounds obnoxious, but it's the truth. And, you know, like, I'm big fans of Christian Lehner, Grant Hill. Like, you know, guys, and it's it's sad because, you know, Kentucky, they're pretty much rolling, running, you know, the recruits, the high recruits, and they're pretty much running, the, like, the NBA as far as, you know, production-wise. And, it's, you know, I, I kind of get jealous because, you know, we're supposed yeah, but- to. I mean, I know he's out now, but to um, Coach K's credit, he really adapted. Yeah. To that. And uh, Capel was that Pitt's head coach was actually a big part of that. He's the one that recruited uh, Zion and RJ to Duke. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of other reasons you go to Duke. It's the assistant coach, but I mean, he also recruited Blake Griffin too, so he's a good recruiter. But Jalen Johnson, I have right behind Kaminga in my small forward rankings so I mean he has a little bit of trouble with his like I don't know how well of a three-point shooter he'll be in the league he turns the ball over a lot but he can rebound he's great on defense he has a ton of blocks and steals and he's only 19 years old so I mean I see him as a top 10 pick I think um I think actually uh, Sacramento would be a good fit for him to kind of play with. I don't know. Is Harrison Barnes still on Sacramento? Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I could see him like you know, kind of learning a year under him, and then eventually, probably the year after that, taking over, and then either trading Barnes or you know, having him as a bench role for the last year of his deal or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I. I think the sky's the limit for Jalen Johnson. So, I mean, I think he's one of your dookies that you're going to be enjoying watching for a few years now. I think he was in the draft, though. I don't know because he didn't really he didn't really contribute to any of the draft scrimmages, any of the – Did he participate in them? No, any of that yeah. stuff. He didn't. And, yeah, that's you know, what you see from a lot of the lottery picks, though. And he didn't play his full season in Duke, so we're like, unless you. Oh, work I him forgot out, about that. Yeah, I man, forgot. That's why I'm pissed at him. That's why I'm just quiet, cause man, like he. He was man, told. Man. He was told he's going to be a top ten pick, regardless of if he picked up a basketball between now and draft night, and he was like, "Fine with me." <laughs> that that's what the thought process was. Yeah, and man, I didn't really, I didn't like that at all. And you know, he came up. He he said. Uh, you know, interesting. Earlier today, he said himself, I honestly think I wouldn't be in this position I am today if I didn't leave early. He he also said, I prepare myself. I'm in the best position. I am grateful for the next step. I'm, I'm more prepared than I've ever been. So, you know, he's in a positive uh, mindset, it seems like, and I hope he's still improving his game. He, he has a lot to improve. And if you're drafting him, you're more drafting him on his physical tools, on his potential. In uh, his production, I mean, it, or I, I like to see it. I don't know because Orlando has like the same repetitive guys. If you add him, it would be repetitive. Uh, Sacramento, maybe. 
But you have to be down to really develop this guy. If you're going to bring him into your program, you have to be. I, and I mean, like G League, some G League, all that. Yeah, all that has to be. I think he's going to be playing in the G League. Oh, I don't think he's that good of a prospect. I think he's cool. He's a first round talent, like middle of the first round, especially in this deep of a draft. But I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. Out of the lottery? Yeah, I do. I, I really do. I think this, this draft is too deep. Shaft is too deep, man. Maybe, maybe. I know a lot. I know it's just this year. This year was such a weird year with COVID and everything that I think you'll. There was there's a story similar to this in football. Pitt had a player who quit like with three games left in the season just to prepare for the draft and everything, and he didn't end up getting drafted and they said they knocked him for that because he they quit on his team. I don't see anything like that happening with Jalen Johnson. And I think just the pedigree, the size, the athleticism, and when he played for Duke, what he averaged 11, his, he, he put up 11, six and two. And I didn't even write down his uh, percentages. They were all. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he has work to do and he has polishing to do, but I mean, I don't know, man. I if he falls in the draft and he falls to like 19, I would be thrilled the next who pull off a player like that. If you take him in the lottery, you had to be in love with him before the college season. You had to be because oh, definitely. I didn't, but I mean, like, even if like Mitchell Robinson didn't even play college. You know what I'm saying? And he fell though. He, he was a second. Oh, he fell. He, he fell. But I think it's so much. I think that he had some college experience, Johnson, that he showed enough. He showed enough to show that, you know, like not playing college at all versus playing in the ACC for however many games he played. I think he, he showed enough that scouts can see. Scouts that saw the things that made him a top prospect coming into college, I think they saw enough of that that you can convince yourself that at 19 years old that he's going to figure it out. And I think some teams definitely got to take a chance on him. Interesting. If Jalen Johnson falls out of the lottery or he's a lottery player, that's definitely going to be interesting. Um, Another guy I wanted to talk about – Luke Garza, uh, Naismith Player of the Year this past season in college basketball, uh, dominated statistically uh, 24 points per game, uh, one block, eight rebounds, uh, 44% from three, 70% from the free throw line as a big. Uh, offensively, you know, he's there, but bro, he, I, I might have better feet than him guarding out there. Like, I don't, like he is. Bro, I, I don't know. I don't. He's. I think right now he's even worse than Canner defensively, and that's saying that's a lot. Saying a lot. <laughs> and like, I, if he like offensively, he'll be able to be a, a decent NBA player. But uh, I, I don't know. I think he has. He's decent. Uh, he's decent. He's decent. He's not like a total scrub or anything. But as a second round pick, yeah, defensively. If the Knicks took a shot on at 58, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't know. Something about 
Iowa basketball. It just doesn't sit right with me. <laughs> they, they um their backup point guard actually is from my area, the Bronx. Yeah, he's uh he's from here. He went to one of the high schools around here. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I it's a little support in the area, but oh for sure. And you know, he's definitely uh uh he's what gonna be twenty two or he is twenty two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so, I mean, he was a senior and nominated, yeah, yeah, the age, right? Yes, I mean, that's another thing. But, again, like, I mean, he's got the size and everything to at least carve out a good backup role in the league, I think. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, I don't think he'll be a starter or anything. But, you know, if he's able to get into the right position, maybe. I, right, yeah, I've he heard he cut a lot of weight. He needs to cut a little bit more. <laughs> But if he ever gets into his peak, peak uh, physical shape, he could definitely carve himself uh, a backup center position. Um, you don't know, like Iowa basketball? Uh, this is this is a deeply rooted issue for me, not Iowa specific. It's more the way I look at it is being a huge Pitt fan. I despise Penn State. And it's kind of just like, I never understand how a school like Penn or Penn State in the middle of flipping nowhere with like nothing but cow fields around gets these inner city kids to come and play at their school. And I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm an anti-white big man guy. <laughs> but I just I, I don't know I I just something about those players just they don't Big Ten basketball in general for me I'm just not really a huge fan of. No, I agree. the composition ain't that right. It ain't really up to par than some comp, especially from the ACC. I mean, if you're looking at from an ACC lens, it's it's different. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Big Ten has good teams, but it's. Usually, you know, Michigan State, Ohio State, um, Michigan now. But I mean, like schools like Iowa and stuff like that, they're just, they never really, it's hard to say because Pitt hasn't done much lately either, but I don't know. I'm just not as familiar with Iowa's basketball as I should be. So I feel like, for me to endorse a player that I don't watch enough would be like disingenuous on some level. I don't know. No, I feel you. I feel you. Um, last guy I wanted to speak about of the draft fallers is uh, Jonathan Kuminga, which has been an interesting, uh, interesting storyline to follow because throughout the whole season, you know, he was a top five pick. Uh, you know, I've listened to a, a whole bunch of draft podcasts, and the common thing I've heard, which is, you know, you start, I believe it, is that, you know, this is the first year of the G League, you know, G League thing, and it's hard to evaluate prospects. And, they're, and you know, because some of these guys have inflated numbers, you know, Jalen Green and all those guys, they have big numbers. But, you know, how much does that, you know, compared to the college, you know, college stat, if somebody puts up big numbers in the college game. It's a, it's an interesting thing to think about. Uh, you know, uh, Jonathan put up 15, 7, and 2. You know, uh, his shooting splits, 
not too impressive. 65% from the free throw line, 40, uh, 46% from two-point land, and uh, 24% from three-point line. So he's not uh, a shooter yet. Um, but, you know, I like his size. I like his athletic ability. I like, you know, the way he's able to uh, handle the ball. He's able to get to his spots. Um, decent mid-range game. I like how he finishes uh, but it's interesting to see him fall. The guys like uh, Scotty, yeah, and you know, it's he interesting. Below Scotty, yeah, man. A lot of guys they have him below Scotty, which is wow. interesting because you it know, just, interesting, it just, right? It, it is interesting. It's it's because Kaminga, you know, his field goal percentage wasn't great. His true shooting percentage wasn't great. Free throw, he's not a great shooter. <laughs> um, but he's literally. 18 years old right now and again it's just when you get a chance to draft a player with like elite elite athleticism like he has I I I don't know I see him as like I said the best power forward in this draft or small forward in this draft but um I I, I yeah I mean he has flaws for sure this being like the first real league year with like multiple G League prospects going in the lottery is like something that isn't going to take like some adjusting to. Cause like you said, you don't really know how those stats necessarily compare to college stats. But I mean, do you, do you personally think that, uh, who was the other player we were just talking about? Scotty. Yeah, you think Scotty is actually better than him? I, I don't. I actually don't. I even think uh, Kuminga is better than Snugs, and uh, I, I think he's a better prospect than Snugs as well. I think he's the fourth best player in this draft. I think he should be taken number four. It's interesting to see this because I was shocked when you know I watch a lot of I watch those G League games. Uh, like I watched a few of them twice. You know, I was so bored. Yeah, the ignite uh, was fun, man. Yeah, it really Jared was. Jack represent. Exactly. Right. They had Jerry Jack and then they had Jeremy Lin on the Warriors team. Like it was it was interesting. It was very fun to watch as a yeah, I gave you something to do on off days or whatever or between games, even. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, Kuminga, he popped. He really he popped you know, on the screen for me, you know, offensively, what he's able to do. He's definitely he definitely has a few flaws and he's definitely I wouldn't say so certain like a, a total project, but he definitely has flaws that you're going to have to develop throughout, uh, you know, his process in the league. I yeah, see him as a potential all-star, honestly. You know, the film wow. I've watched and everything, he, you know, it is what it is when you pick him. He has a chance to be an all-star as anybody in this draft. Absolutely. I think just based on athleticism alone, he can be – borderline all-star whether he fixes his shot which I see is his biggest problem or not you know what I mean he's just literally that athletic if you can get to the point where you have to respect him from the three or he even pulls up like a mid-range game even if he he may six eight if he learns to post up a little bit better you know I mean he's again he's 18 years old he's gonna learn the game so yeah I I, I totally agree with you that he could definitely be an all-star for multiple years even. And there's even possibilities that he might fall, like past maybe even OKC, just 
just the way you know fit and all that stuff with uh calves with uh okc and all that stuff like he 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 might be a guy like Halliburton, maybe not as far as Halliburton went but he might Kimingo might go eight nine seven like you, you might see that right for real yeah. Uh, yeah, it kind of like you were saying earlier too. Like Orlando would be a good team for him, but again, it's kind of like they have a lot of guys like him. But I still think he's a higher level of like at, at that more. He's a higher ceiling than pretty much anyone on the roster right now. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I would agree too. He'll come in. Yeah, me too. And, and they still have a lot of things to deal with because you know they got Jonathan Isaac and they got uh. The guy from Auburn who tore his ACL, but you know, still got drafted in the mm-hmm. team. Do you remember him? That's, that's the thing. It'll give him a chance to kind of like develop and ease into it. He won't, you know what I mean? It's not like he's going to come out there and expect it to like contribute to a playoff team his first year or anything like that. So, I mean, I think depending on as long as he's, I, I don't know, I think wherever he goes, he's going to be a, a good player, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 regardless of. Do you see a little bit of Jalen Brown in him, or that's just me? I can see a bit of it, definitely. And yeah, right. The athleticism. Um, I think he's a little bit better of a shooter, but I mean, again, it's a skill that can be learned. There's been a lot of players that have come into the league and learned to shoot. So, I mean, he wouldn't be the first player by any stretch of the imagination to get better at shooting once he got into the league. And I think that's the intrigue with Scotty Barnes, because even if Scotty Barnes right now at 19 years old, he does the other stuff at extremely high level that he'd be able to help you win right now. Uh, but just the offensive potential that Kimunga has, especially if you're a rebuilding team, it's hard to pass up. It's very hard to pass up. Uh, um, switching up conversation to the playoffs, uh, the Bucks uh, got to reach the NBA finals. Last time we spoke with Sam, uh, you know, the Suns were the only guys that had made it to past that threshold, and now the Bucks gets to join them. I have a question to ask you. Uh, why do you hate Atlanta? I've oh, I, I wanted to ask you for like a week now, and I finally get the chance. To ask you, like, why do you hate Atlanta, bro? I had a feeling this question was coming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, why do I hate Atlanta? To be honest, I really, really enjoyed Trey Young in college. I really did. I thought he was fun to watch, and he got off to a really hot start, and then he kind of fell off. His team started to, like, you know, double him and stuff in college. He learned to adjust, obviously, but he got so much hype from there that people started calling him second coming of Curry, which he's gone on to show that he's pretty damn close. (laughs) Um, But something – about I I know you love the ice tray thing. I think that's cheesy as shit. <laughs> I um uh, Hawks fans on Twitter haven't helped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got in a few altercations there that I ended up just I shouldn't have done it. Gotta learn to be better at that. But um, it's uh I don't like John Collins. I don't like Cam Reddish. Sorry. Um, I didn't think he was good in college. I didn't think outside of that one game he had in the Eastern Conference Finals. He's shown in anything. But, I mean, he has been hurt, too, to his credit. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't like Gallinari. He's more like the ex-Knicks that like, 
I just don't care for. Yeah, that's crazy. I actually vividly remember when we drafted Gallimore. Like, vividly. Oh, when we drafted him, I was excited. But, but like, he just never lived up to the hype, really, for the Knicks, you know? And I feel you. you. He was part of those Stoudemire teams before. uh, Yeah. Yeah, that before we traded for Melo, he was pretty good in that stretch. Yeah, no, no, he was definitely good and everything. But, yeah, he's one of those players that, like, doesn't do anything for me, like, entertainment-wise, for whatever that's worth. And I thought they, they really – it looks – it sounds silly now because they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, but I just thought this Atlanta team, their front office, jumped the gun with some of these free agent signings, and obviously that's not exactly true. They made – they took advantage of a lot of situations. Like, I think if Philly was healthy, they wouldn't have made it past that series, and I'm not trying to knock Atlanta or, like, discredit them for what they did because they had a great season and even better postseason. But I don't know. It's just I, – I don't like Herder. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's just a lot of players on that team that I don't like. And maybe it's the playoffs didn't – you know, losing to them in the playoffs didn't help. But, I mean, I respect the Hawks. I just – I just don't want to see them succeed. <laughs> I understand your points. Now I, I do. I from a from a rival standpoint, I, I understand your. Yeah, point. that's most of it, honestly. If I'm being honest, now, I, I like. get it, but I don't know, man. Because like, I, I as far when they play the Knicks, is I don't like Atlanta. But when they play the Knicks, then it's a whole different ball game. But I, I was a big fan of Trey Young in college. Like their draft picks throughout the years, like they drafted my guys. They particularly like the reason why I think I'm like. I'm not as hateful as most Knicks fans. It's because like, they drafted my guys in like in the draft. Like they drafted Young, they drafted Herder, they drafted Cam. I, I, I've the support for me has been consistent until the like you said. I was not behind them signing uh, Bogey and them signing Gallo, and they probably got. I didn't mind Bogey. Bogey made sense. I mean, I thought they made him overpaid a little bit, but. And then again, you look at the season he had and the fit, how well he fit with that roster. And it's hard to argue with it in retrospect. But I mean, the one, the contract, like I said, that Gallon out, that got Gallinari contract is pretty pricey. And that's going to be really interesting how that contract ages and what they end up paying John Collins because. The team is going to, like we said multiple times on this pod, they're, if they max John Collins, they're pretty much stuck with this core. And their core's shown a lot, and they can do a lot. And they're going to be a problem for us in the East for a few years now. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just yeah, kind of just the rivalry thing, being fresh in the blood. It's, it's, I haven't seen the Knicks in the playoff series since, what was it, the Celtics and the Pacers for the last two times teams we played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, yeah, the Pacers because we beat the Celtics in six, and then we had played the Pacers. Yeah, the year before that, I think we got swept by the Celtics too. No, but, I think we got beat by Miami in five. Or more, but I don't think we played Miami in the playoffs. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. The first. Yeah, yeah, we did. I remember. Yeah, and it's not a my. I don't know. Hand. I thought no. I remember playing like big. 
regular season games. Nah, we played them in the playoffs and they beat us four one. I'm googling this right now. Yes, yeah, start of my bro. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that vividly. Stoudemire, after a loss, I think in game three, he had broke his hand. He had punched, like, a fire hydrant or whatever, and he had broke his hand, and he couldn't, like, play the rest of the series. What year would that be? If you go find it, if you go find it, check, like, uh, those teams. If this is the... Okay, yeah, we played in 2012. Yeah, right? It was uh, five games, right? Yeah, four to one. Yep. Yeah. Is that before? What year did we get Mellow? That same year? Yep, exactly. That trade deadline. Okay, so he was on that team? Yep. I guess I'm thinking, I guess, yeah, I guess I'm thinking of the next year because I remember wanting to play the Heat uh, that second year when we were the two seed and we uh, beat Brooklyn in the first round. Yep. But uh, I guess, yeah, I guess I just got that mixed up. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so speaking about uh, Bogey, uh, the reason why I wasn't really a big fan of his contract is because I thought it was going to take away opportunities from, you know, the guys that they drafted. You know, Cam, uh, I, I still think highly of Cam, but at the time I really thought Cam was, you Do know. you think Cam was good at Duke? I think he had, I think he he definitely disappointed. I, I, I'm very rough on two players and I he definitely disappointed especially when Zion was out man yeah. I was I was waiting I was waiting I was waiting for big performances but I never got them RJ played well during that you know he did what he could uh he played well but even I mean it's it's so hard because they also had Zion on that team yeah and I know RJ I think he sent set the uh rookie record for scoring at Duke, yeah 22 22 yeah yeah, so, I mean, you played great, but it was just, like, coming into the lottery, I wasn't even sold on RJ just because he didn't show that he could shoot in college, like, at all. And I was so concerned about that. But, I mean, you saw this year he turned that around, so. I mean, when R- I actually really wanted him to, to the Knicks to draft RJ White to him all season, and I knew he would work on that jump. I mean, I yeah, I, I, I had faith in that he would develop into a good player but I mean I just the thing that had me nervous was mostly the shot and I think he's at least this year he's seemed to come to form on that a little bit and shot what 40% from three this year yeah and and, and I wasn't completely sold on uh Hunter and uh Jared Colvert and you know those guys yeah, especially there. Hunter I didn't like Hunter coming out yeah me either he he turned out to be he he improved his offensive game yeah I knew he could be a good defensive player and all those Virginia players play great defense but and I think that Buck series would have been a little bit different if Hunter and they had a help they have that if they would have had a healthy backcourt of uh young and Hunter I think Mm, I don't know if we see Milwaukee in the finals with a with a with a injured uh, Giannis, but do you think if Giannis is healthy, it makes a difference? Yeah, I think it does. I think Giannis. I think no, we could speak about it, right? Because mm-hmm. I, 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 you said that you know the Suns they win no matter what, with or without Giannis, and I, I, think I don't. So. You didn't say that. No, no, no. I said that. So I don't think that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, please explain. Please explain. Um, 
basically, I've never been a fan of this Bucks roster. I think that Chris Middleton is good, but I think the fact that Giannis isn't able to close out games is like a create your own shot or like even shoot a shot type guy that it really limits them. And I just really think that like not this year, obviously it didn't work, but they didn't have the same personnel when they played Miami or last year against Miami in the playoffs. You see them, you saw them really wall up on Giannis and he wasn't able to do the things he was able to do in the regular season. And the biggest factor in that was Jay Crowder. And now Jay Crowder's playing for the Suns. And Chris Paul seems to be healthy. Devin Booker seems to be healthy. I, I'll take Chris Paul and Devin Booker over Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. And if Giannis comes back, I think he creates issues. But like I said, I, I have enough faith in Monty Williams because Giannis is such a limited player offensively in that he can really only score in the paint, that they can game plan around that. And the rest of the team, I think, is more cohesive and just flows so well through Chris Paul. And whenever things break down, Booker is just one of the best players in the league at creating his own shot and shows up clutch time and time again. I think it'll be a close series either way, especially if Giannis plays. But if I'm placing a bet right now, it's still on the Suns for me. I see you with the game plan thing, but you still got to worry about this dude for 48 minutes. So I understand he can't really shoot free throws the last two minutes of the game when it's in that type of situation. I understand that's not the guy. But, you know, he's like, like, like how Sam said uh, last pod, like he's been on a historic like playoff run statistically uh, 30 and 10, the bare minimum in these playoffs from him. Um, I do agree that, you know, if the way, you know, the series is constructed right now, without Giannis, the Suns are definitely taking it. Uh, I definitely see uh, CP and Booker coming out with that. But the thing about, you know, but and we have to give some credit to Middleton. Middleton has been playing lights out, man. And, uh, you know, without Giannis, those last two games without Giannis, he's averaged uh, 29, 8, and seven, also uh, shooting 37% from three-point land, uh, 92% from the free throw, uh, from free throw, from the free throw line, and uh, 46, 47% overall. Very, very uh, sniper-esque. Uh, he was playing in the second in the conference final. Uh, I, I don't think it's enough to go over the hump against um, a team like the Suns in the finals. I think they have a lot of defenders, uh, way better defenders than with the Hawks had and uh, my and Bridges, and Cam and uh, Crowder. Like you know, they have a lot of bodies to throw at Middleton, and I don't know if he could produce enough to get over that hump. I, I agree with you there, but I think if Giannis is playing, it's a whole different ball game than the Bucks and Six. It definitely makes it a lot more competitive. Yeah, yeah, players, obviously. 
yeah. it's gonna be interesting to see what Holiday gives them, especially offensively, because you're gonna be. You could ideally think he's gonna have the task of guarding Devin Booker, right? So whatever it depends, because he's been up and down these playoffs offensively. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even Middleton to some level, like even Sam was saying, just like one game he'll go off for 40, the next game game he goes for like 13. He's just I just don't know if they are able to successfully not, you know, lock down Giannis, but just slow him down and make everyone else beat them. I just don't know if they're consistent enough to do that in a seven-game series. But um, one thing I'm just seeing on the timeline now from like nine hours ago is apparently the Lakers and the Thunder are finalizing a deal to send Kemba Walker to L.A. for surrounding their first-round draft picks this season and Kyle Kuzma. Where do you see that from? NBA Central. You lying. What? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even see that. I went through the whole day. And then yeah, no, it's so weird. It just popped up. As, Kuzma popped up as trending. I had Twitter up on my monitor, and I just saw that. And I clicked on him, and I was like, oh, damn. Did not know that. <laughs> that would be an amazing deal for the Lakers. If they can get a Kimball Walker in there and they're able to get him healthy, uh, give them another ball handler, another scorer, another guy they can count on in the playoffs and in the clutch. And I like clear, to be clear, did OKC get a first round pick for trading for Kuzma or for um, Kemba? Yep, they definitely did. And now they just got another one for trading Kemba. If they do, I don't, it's not finalized. They, they're trying, says it, it's, it, they're trying. It, yeah, it's like 75. What I'm getting from the tweet, it's like 75, 80%. Like yeah. It, yeah. Usually, though, if they're finalizing something, like, if they announce that they're finalizing it, pretty good odds interesting because uh i i was hearing rumors that the lakers were interested in, in the rose which i thought was you know was a good option as well um he had, i thought he'd be a good fit there yeah he initiated a lot of the offense for san antonio so he'll be able to give uh release some ball handling uh duties from lebron um he's still a, a mid-range assassin don't know how much he helps him at the three-point line because he's been a career like 20% three point shooter. Uh, never really improved from that uh, aspect of his game, but definitely would, would never. And he, and he defends. Let's not get it fucked up. He, he does defend one of the, the better defend, better, one of the better team defenders in the league. When you watch San Antonio games, he's really on the string. And even during those Raptor uh, teams, they were really good defensively. And he was a big part of that. Yeah. And that's why I know. Even we've talked about on this podcast just about how like the spacing and stuff wouldn't be great for him at the Knicks. But I always had faith that like if that was what the front office ended up doing, that DeRozan's a good enough player that he can he can space his game enough in the mid range that I don't think he would. I don't think him and RJ would really eat up as much of like the same space as people think because. I think RJ is a better three-point shooter than a mid-range shooter right now, and I think the exact opposite of DeRozan. So I think that'd be kind of like a good ebb and flow, and just another defensive talent like that. I mean, again, it's not my ideal free agency move, 
but if the front office had enough faith and Thibodeau thought that he had a way to make that work, I I trust those guys and their judgment there. So I'm not uh, gonna uh, if we're gonna bring in DeMar DeRozan, I'd rather just bring in Ben Simmons. <laughs> like if we're gonna go that route, what do you not to give up? We'd have to give up a lot for Benzim. True, 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 true. But they said they want an all-star in return. I don't know if they get that back. Unless it's like a dang trade and it's like something big like that. But I don't know if they get They already turned down Brogdon in the first. Yeah, I seen it. I seen it. I was gonna ask you about that. Yeah, um, I like Brogdon, but I think you can't make that trade if you just like Yeah, I, yeah, I I I had texted you like they the pace just try to steal him. Like they tried. <laughs> like yeah, no, don't get me wrong, fucking shoot your shot. <laughs> and I do think Malcolm Brogdon would be a better fit for them, but I don't think that's the caliber of play and they're willing to put their chips in. Right? Yeah, you're really you're really selling low on Simmons if that's what you're getting back. For sure. Um yeah, the the the, the Rosen thing though, uh his market, I wanted to speak about his market. I think his market would be um, similar to what uh, Gordon Hayward had gotten this past summer. Like teams, teams that are looking to make the next jump, uh, will will offer him a bag. Uh, you know, maybe Sacramento offers him a bag. Maybe they get to clean up some cap space. Like a team like that that is desperately looking to take a second chance. I thought Atlanta this past summer. Uh, this past, before they drafted a uh, Congo, I thought they could give uh, San Antonio some type of package, like the sixth pick, and maybe uh, Cam or Herder or one of those one of those wings, and they send them to San Antonio. But man, I don't know, bro. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how the how the Mar where the Mar goes and how he impacts the team. It's gonna be interesting to see. Which, if you had to pick a team for Demar Rosen to end up on, which team would you pick? Interesting, interesting, interesting. I think he can help a lot of teams, like a lot. Oh, definitely. Um, it, I mean, from like I like that Sacramento thing that you said. The Sacramento is that like, I like how uh, I don't know. He doesn't shoot the ball. I don't know off the top of my head. Two teams that stick out to me. Yeah, yeah would be the Mavs if they decide to part with Tim Hardaway. That's a good one. And then they would have, like, a big three, him, KP, DeRozan, and then... Right, right. And you would lose a little bit of your three-point threat that Tim Hardaway brings. But Tim Hardaway is also just, like, has one of the worst cases of, like, tunnel vision in the league and has never seen a shot he doesn't like. (laughs) I mean, he's not, like, the most efficient player either. And I think, like, DeMar DeRozan's ability to handle the ball and create his own shot in the mid-range is a big move and, like, could, like, really bring a dynamic to the Mavs that they don't have. And, you know, Cuban's not afraid of making a big move, and there's going to be some options for them in the offseason. So I think that would be a good fit. And, like I said, I think the Grizzlies, just because they're in need of another star another option for when you know jock you know jock can't do everything and they were what eighth in the west they meant to make the playoffs tomorrow's a winning player a veteran presence for like a young team like that and i think it would be i think him and morant would be a really good backcourt in the west and help them take a step not quite 
probably the leap that Chris Paul had on the Suns. But if you're looking for a team that is trying to, like you said, you know, advance, you know, move forward, just progress, bringing in a vet like DeRozan is is a pretty safe move. Uh, what do you think about the Pacers or the Bulls making a run at the road? Two teams that would like to, you know, improve from the past season, pretty disappointing season. The Pacers, you know, they could finally replace that all the deep ball handler that they've been looking for. Uh, I, I guess they might have got it with Karis LeVert, but I do think Karis LeVert and DeMar Rosen can play together. I think that's the thing with Sabonis. Uh, the Bulls, just because they're the Bulls and they want to win, and that GM, you know, after the, the Vucevic trade is, you know, he has, you know, the ownership wants, wants some Ws, and it's going to be interesting to see how that, how that pans out. What do you think about those two teams? Yeah, I think um, Indiana's a good fit. I think um, from reading all the reports from their head coach, he seems, uh, what's his name? Uh, from Dallas was oh, Rick Carlisle. Uh, uh, yeah, and he hired Lord Pierce as his assistant. Yeah, and from what he said in all of his like hiring press conferences and the interview I read from him, he thinks that team's like in a win now mode. Like they seem like they're content moving forward with you know what the guys they got, and if they could bring in Demar Derozan, that's just another piece that really I think. It's well if they keep Brogdon and can add to their defensive ability because Sabonis isn't exactly like a lockdown defender. Miles Turner's great in the paint, but you know he's not like a perimeter defender. And who was the other team you said? Wagner. Said Indiana and who else? And the Bulls. Oh, yeah, the Bulls too. I think I don't know what they really have to give up to get them. Or, no, he's a free agent, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in some cases, it might have to be a sign-in trade, depending if he would go to the Lakers or something like that. Like, it would have to be a sign-in trade. Yeah, but the Bulls wouldn't have to worry about that. But um, it'd be a good move for the Bulls just in the sense that they've essentially gone all in with that Vucevic trade and that if they don't see results, in this season, there's a high probability that Levine leaves. So I think that would be a move that can get them back on the trajectory that they want to get to, but it's not a long-term fit. And that's the biggest thing with some of these trade destinations is DeMar's not anyone's long-term solution. But if you can go to a contender, a win-now type team, then I think he has a lot of value still for the next two, three years. Yeah, I think he's a piece during the summer that a lot of teams will be looking like, you know, can this guy bring us to the next, uh, bring us over the next hump? And, and, you know, he does have a lot of impactful basketball left in him, still a mid-range assassin, you know, still can be a locker room presence. You know, he's, he's still definitely a top, you know, there are 25, 30 basketball players, definitely, definitely, for sure. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to speak about was uh, CP. Uh, you had wrote an article about CP. Um, like I've said on this pod, uh, growing up, I wasn't the biggest CP fan, 
but you know, now, now I got a little mature and I'm starting to see the game a little bit differently. I can start appreciating. I, I appreciate like uh, his impact. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as legacy wise, how do you feel like this finals is gonna impact him, even if he does like lose? Um, I mean, like I said in that short piece, it, I think you know he's been a Hall of Famer for a while now. Um, I love his game. I I don't love some of the whining and flopping and chirping at teammates and stuff. But at some level, that's kind of like having that chip on his shoulder is kind of like made Chris Paul into the player he is today. So I think if he can win a ring this year, I think it just cements his legacy as one of the top point guards in this generation. I think he's already going to be in that conversation, but this will really like cement his legacy. And I'm, I'm kind of rooting for that. Like I said, I, I really like Chris Paul as a player. I watched him in college. I like the style. I like I like the traditional point guard mold. I'm in love with guys like Steph Curry and Trey and stuff that can shoot. But I there's something to be said for that floor general aspect of like knowing when to get other players involved. His defense is great. He makes teams better everywhere he's gone. And I just I just couldn't. I don't have. I can't think of a season in recent memory that's been like such a great storyline for a player that was just written off as an untradeable contract that didn't, I think they had to trade. What did they get? What did they give up for Chris Paul? Westbrook. Westbrook. Right. So, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I, I just think that, I think that he's – I can't think of one more true traditional point guard in the last decade that has been on Chris Paul's level. And, and uh, when I was reading, I didn't, I didn't realize how much, like, all, like, first defensive teams he had made. I didn't realize that he, he doesn't get that much credit for his defense because he's undersized, but his steals and just – his basketball IQ and knowing where to be at the right time is so impressive. No, for sure. And um, this, if he wins the ring, it definitely does cement his legacy, almost like um, what it did for Dirk. You know, Dirk yeah. was always, yeah. you know, was you know was always a top power forward, but people didn't really cement him in the history books all time like that until you know he beat Miami and won his first ring. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say this is going to be one of the weaker championships. That's been, uh, uh, been a common thing I've heard, to, to, like, in pods and articles and stuff like that in a basketball universe. Uh, is I've, I've seen that, but, you know, a chip is a chip at the end of the day, right? You got that ring. I think thing. about it. Almost every year, there's some excuse for why this championship is like tainted last year it was oh lebron has like a mickey mouse ring uh, the year before that oh toronto never would have won if kd wasn't hurt year before that it's just there's 
always, always going to be excuses. LeBron, they, people say Golden State wouldn't have won their first ring if the Cavs were healthy. I mean, like, injuries are part of the game, and you can't, you can't put asterisks next to teams that won because they're healthy. You can't penalize teams for beating the teams in front of them. I mean, that's how it works. It's how it's worked every year since you've been in the league. There's been injuries every year in the league. This year, yeah, there's been a lot of big players that have gone down. And it's disappointing as a fan, but you're still playing one of the top teams in basketball, and you have been the entire playoffs to get here. So I think people that try to discredit rings like this and seasons like this are just kind of bitter basketball fans, and it's usually – you usually hear a lot of that chirping from the teams that lost and had injured players. Uh, I agree. In every championship run, there's always luck. There's mm-hmm. always luck. Like, you have to be lucky to win a championship. Only one team gets to win it. And luck has to be involved or something like that. And, you know, it is what it is. Every team gets their gets their little, you know, easy pass and their final run. Every team. I agree. 100%. Um... That's pretty much all I wanted to speak about. You know, it's interesting. Today was the 20th episode. So, you know, shout out to us for, you know, doing 20, 20 deep. episodes. Yep, 20 deep. We're we working. We're grinding. Uh, make sure to follow me and Nolan on Twitter. Make sure to follow the Corner 3 pod on Twitter. Make sure to go inside our website. We, you know, make sure to read Nolan's article. I might write a few articles. I don't know. I've been thinking about it because I'm terrible at writing, but maybe I... I I have, I, I have to do it. I, I have to do one. And, um, yeah, yeah. So make sure to check out the website. All our episodes are on there as well. And, uh, yeah, peace. Speak to you next week, man. Yep, talk to you soon, man.